Uh, joining today's podcast is Mr. Joe Lewis, owner of Mojo Sports Sports and inventor of the Mojo uh, Pitching Cage. It's a patented pitching cage. Uh, welcome, Joe. I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Hey, no, I'm absolutely thrilled to be on your show. Uh, a first oh, of its kind. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I know you've been a big proponent of control and command for longer than anybody I know. And I know you built a, success, a successful business from it. And I kind of wanted to talk to you about command and control and uh, what was it like in the early days of Mojo uh, Sports? Yeah, no, no, seriously, thank, thank you for having me. I love the fact that we can just sit here and talk about pitching and what the absolute important parts of it are. Um, so Mojo started originally, I just, I literally came up with the idea. I had started working at ESPN and I literally just came up with this idea of having a batter and catcher to throw to. Yeah, it's really cool looking. So I went down the road ultimately of filing a patent and I have a patent for the method of practicing pitching and the apparatus therefore. So literally picking up a baseball and throwing it to my robotic catcher and our stand-in batter. I have a patent on it. Cool. So the early days uh, were very challenging. I was trying to get people to understand as you are and I think what I love about our relationship is that we both have something in essence, if you want to say we're trying to sell, but at the end of the day, I feel like we are selling the method of training a pitcher. And that means yeah, you I think, to the target. Yeah, I think uh, like we've kind of talked about before is that everyone knows command is extremely important, especially at the high level. But I don't think they really know how to train it or they don't think they'd have to train it. Train it. And I think a lot of people confuse command with control, which is also yes. another yeah. problem. Well, I think oh, that I think you and I are both on the same page. And I would almost think that the whole industry kind of looks at control and command. And I think for me, people say control, they can control the ball. They can pretty much throw it for a strike sometimes when they want to. And command is the ability to throw the ball exactly where you want to. And more important with all of your pitches. I think you would yeah. agree with that. Yeah, because like in uh, the, minor, the minor leagues, I know, at lower levels, you can kind of blow pitches by a guy. And you can get by with that. And then when you go into the high-end colleges or minor league minor leagues uh you wind up with guys that they can hit 95 up the middle all day long and yes. 95 up the middle is going out of the park and 95 low low and away in the corner is is going to strike a guy out so being able to command is becomes even more important as you rise up well and here's what is absolutely crazy to me i say to this to quite a few people that there is nobody that I'm aware of that literally practices command on a daily basis and then actually tracks it. So for me, I think that the absolute important part of learning to pitch, and we haven't even started getting into the biomechanics and velocity side, but that you need to focus on the end that is absolutely important. And it's where does the ball go? 
And there's no organization, there's no minor league team, there's no high school team that I'm aware of that has their pitchers throwing to a target and tracking them on a regular basis. I mean, that's basically why you came up with your target. Oh, yeah, well, there there are several MLB teams and college teams that use our target, and they use it all the time. Uh, but it's just starting, starting. And like you Got said, uh, I always thought it's like, how can you practice something if you can't measure it? Because you'll never know if you improved. So our target our target helps you measure it so you can know if you improved. And I've always said that, like with your uh, pitching gauge, uh, good, co good coaches are going to come up with far more ways to use our products than we ever thought of. So we're kind of making a... Uh, we're making a tool for good coaches to use, whether it's your cage or my target, my target. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Throwing to a target is the most basic part about developing command, you know? Yes. And that's where a lot of people talk about biomechanics and ways to improve control. And, you know, we, we had a post the other day where I put on there that yeah. reality boils down to it's really good old elbow grease and the desire to get better but there's nothing exciting about throwing to a target over and over and over and over and for the most part especially at the beginning stages you're missing that target yeah well so you know in our target we have a thing you can set the uh it's a it's a cha-ching sound so if you yep. hit your spot it goes cha-ching Oh, and, if, and if you miss it, it goes, da, da, da. <laughs> and uh, everybody loves that. Uh, and it becomes like a, almost like a game and that kind of fuels some kind of competitive spirit. So we've, we've tried to alleviate that. I know with uh, uh, my son training to training to a target, he didn't like it at first. Yeah. You know, because I think a lot of people don't like it at first because it shows how bad they throw it throw it first <laughs> but the yeah, more they throw to it the more they throw to it the more they hit it the better they get the more they like it you know yes yes that's been my experience and i think that's what you know you said i've been doing it for 20 years and um i accidentally discovered the entertainment value of mojo and that's kind of i shied away from really pushing i don't contact all the major league coaches and everybody right now to really shove it down their throat um, yeah. but i know that whenever i would get in front of major league pitchers you know they're throwing 20 pitches and they've hit it hit the glove twice and they kind of have a reaction which was surprising to me that they would have a reaction like oh that thing's not real that's not real that's not real and I would yeah, always go, mm, yeah. it's not good that you're not hitting your spot. They're paying you $2 million, and you actually cannot throw the ball where you want to. Yeah, well, what I did years ago, because I was work working uh, on pitch grader, I wrote an article for Baseball Prospectus called, mm -hmm. it's called Universal Strike Zone. And the reason I wrote that was because I, I was a proponent, and still am, of a universal strike zone, because... I didn't like how, sub how subjective the strike zone was. Yep. And if you're going to have computers uh, measuring a ball or strike, I thought it ought to be, uh, you know, a universal zone, universal zone so that the umpires, the batters, the pitchers, everybody would always be on the same page with where is the strike zone. And so what I did was I took Army data, data where they did studies of thousands of men 
their heights, their where the waist is, or where their elbow is, everything. <clears throat> and I was able to figure out what yeah. what is the uh, typical uh, six foot two batter. Where is the zone for him? And that's what I I call, right. I, I call the universal strike zone. Yep. And so yep. our target actually uses that zone. So it's actually very realistic to what you're going to use in a game. And and I always thought when people use targets that are very low to the ground or not realistic, it's like they're not training to a zone that you would use in a game. And that's and that's I think a problem, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. And that's where I almost I want to ask you the question, you know, because I think it's eventually Sean is going to get to the big leagues, and I think you're really going to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And it's what was the process for you and him to get him to be so good? Well, first of all, he's got natural talent. Uh, he works very hard. He's very smart. Uh, so most of it is, yeah. is him. Now, like anybody, you can give him a tool. It's yep. up to them using the tool. So he used that yep. tool to develop. Like, you know, you could take another guy that doesn't have the same kind of demeanor and tenacity, and they won't train to be very good. Yeah. You know? yep. But I think at, at the essence, it is uh, uh, picking a spot and throwing to it and practicing yep. that skill. I think I think it's not as I think for a skill you have to practice to get better. Yes. You know, it's it's not something that mechanics are going to do like you had said before. It's something uh I've always thought different guys throw different ways and let them throw the way they naturally throw. Yep. And you know I I don't know how how you think about different guys when they're developing command. I mean I mean do they have different ways of learning it? Have you found? Well, I think that for me, you know, I think what I say the definition of pitching is, it's for that individual to develop their own personal release point. And yeah. that, that it's not me. I'm not the great coach that gets him to be able to do that. It's that individual and the amount of effort and time that he puts into understanding his personal release point whether he's throwing it over the top or whether he's got a three-quarter arm slot or whether he's got a sidearm arm slot. You know, it, it's whoever is going to put in that time and that energy to go, hey, this is exactly where I need to be able to release this ball in order for it to go low and inside or in your target as probably number nine, you know. Well, so, what, I, what I found was interesting, interesting too was we put in a uh, multiplayer mode so that you can have five or six or 10 pitchers pitch from the God. same mound. And over this last weekend, we had two, two sessions where there were over 20 pitchers throwing. Got 20 it. guys. They, they're high school guys. Yep. And when they set it to one pitch per, per turn, meaning, they, meaning yep. they throw one pitch, then next guy comes up, then the next guy comes up, they're missing a target left and right. But then we trained it to, we, okay, you throw two pitches, and then you go. You go. What I found was they started now hitting the target on the second pitch and, and hitting the spot. Got and it. So what it what it said to me, I thought thought it was a, a mental block because I think another big part of command is mental. Like when I yes. worked with Sean, we always talked about 
before you throw, throw, you know, relax, breathe, yep. well, loosen the shoulders, uh, close your eyes and picture the ball going where you want it to go and then throw it. Throw it. And so I think that mental relaxation, that mental uh, visualization, that's part of it, I think. No? Yes, I, I think that... Uh, I think the major hurdle that we have of getting people to understand how to train command is that it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's not something that's going to happen in six months that I'm a firm believer that you need a solid, depending on the individual, you need a solid two to three years. And, and my son, hopefully, God willing, will be a testimony also. He, he'll be 12 years old tomorrow. And I have him throwing at it consistently. So by the time he's 17, he'll be a good testimony for us and what we're yeah. trying to push across. But it's he's 12 right now. By the time he's 17, we'll see. You know, this is the past year in travel law. I think he was 68% strikes. So uh, if you can get to that level in the big leagues, I think that 60% in the big leagues is pretty darn good. And and Emo will tell you that too. It's like success at the higher level, higher levels, throw strikes. Yes. You know? And the other thing that I sit here and go is that I really push with my son is hey, you've got to throw all of your pitches where you want. Yes. It's not yes. just and, and what we usually do is we just do a, a limited number of them, but you want to do that at least five days out of the week three to five days out of the week where you're trying to throw, depending on the number of pitches you're throwing. We usually don't throw more than 30 pitches, really. Yeah. Well, we would have, uh, we, would, we would always, when we trained, always throw to a target and yep. always working on command. Like a lot of people will throw to a target working on control, like just to throw yep. a strike. Yes. But yes. Uh, at, at a higher level of D1 college and up to the minor leagues, well, what starts to separate guys is the guys that can throw, that can control, control all their, their pitches uh, start getting weeded out if they can't command. Because uh, like we talked about earlier, missing up and in, you know, 10 inches is that, is that of the park, missing get, hit your spot, you know, you got to strike out. So I think, like you said, if they're working on it for a number of years before they get there, they'll be able to overcome that hump. Well, and, and when you talk about the early days for me, I, I had a major league pitching coach, and he told me it's not so much where you put it, but it's where you miss with it. And, oh, yeah. and I sit here and go, for me, that's not my goal. My goal is for the pitcher to not miss the spot. Oh, no, but like in our target, uh, we have the intended location, and we also have a thing that you can select. You can select a good miss locations. Yep. Meaning, if you're going, if you're going to miss, miss down over here. Don't miss yep. up here, because you have to train a uh, command, and what you have also have to train command with uh, an eye for if it's going to miss. Make sure you miss this. I I got that from an interview I saw with uh, Pedro, uh, Pedro Martinez. Yep. And he described it as executing your idea. He yep. had a pitching yep. coach tell him that. He said, if you're going to miss, miss really far this way. You're going to, you're going to execute yeah. your idea. Yes. And and my passion is actually to get where you don't miss. <laughs> and that's, yeah. a, that's a huge goal. 
but yeah. but yeah. I think that a lot of times it's about expectations. If I tell you, if I tell a pitcher, hey, I want you to throw it into this big box right here, eventually they're going to throw it in that big box. If I tell them I want you to throw it into this smaller box, eventually I think they're no, I know they're going to over time they're going to throw it in that smaller box consistently. Right, like they'd say, uh, uh, aim aim small, miss small, right? Yeah. Yes, but but you have to add in the element, like what you've done with your command tracker, you have to add in the element of tracking it because guys go throw their bullpen and you go, hey, how was, it, how was uh, his bullpen today? Oh, he looked good. Yeah, felt good. Where I go, okay, he threw five, uh, he threw eight fastballs and he hit his spot hit his spot, not was within that spot, hit his spot this percentage of time. You know, that's what the having that data, if you want to combine data in this world of data that we're living in, I always say data helps you get better, but it's not going to, that's not what makes you great. How you perform is what makes you great. Well, yeah, I, I one of the quotes I think people liked from my first book was I was saying data uh, doesn't make great coaches coaches but good good coaches are good coaches without data but good coaches with data become great coaches because now they have the tools and information yeah, they yeah. need to apply yeah I, you know and earlier you talked about how you know it's a tool is what it is so your pitching target is a tool my pitching target is a tool but mm -hmm. i use the analogy of it's kind of like having the bow flex you know, you, if you buy the Bowflex and if you train on that Bowflex for two years straight, I guarantee you, you're going to get in better shape. If you train on it for a week and then it becomes where you throw your laundry after you're done with it, <laughs> you're yeah. going to have a result of not having gotten better. Yeah. Uh, the other thing we have in it, too, is uh, uh, the data about uh, it's not only if you hit the target, uh, the location that you aimed for, aimed for, uh, and had a good miss. If you hit a good miss, we also give you the direction of the miss. Meaning, if you tend, if you're throwing a slider and you miss your spot, it'll keep telling you 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 missed down to the left, and that would is useful information for a coach to say, okay, hey, on his slider, he's always missing down to the left. Okay, now we can make some mechanical adjustment for that. For that, you know. Yes. Yeah, and that's the information. That's the data that, via science, I'm going to call it, that we now can go, hey, look, you have this tendency, so let's make that adjustment. Yeah, and that comes from my all the work with pitch grader. We've been working with data forever, and and so for the target, we tried we tried to make it so we raw data that, uh, like I said, a good coach could use to become a great coach. You know training his pitchers. Uh, it's easy it's easy to have a guy throw a ball and measure whether it went faster or slower than before. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But aside from my target and your cage, uh, there's not many options to tell whether you have command. I mean, they have some things for control Yeah, that you can manually do. Uh, but like I said, control is the basic point where you would start in high school and early college. But higher college and minor leagues up to yeah. up to major leagues, you need command. Like Emo says, Velo may get you there. Command will help you stay there. You know, one hundred percent. That's exactly how it works. And you and I had kind of discussed. You know, you have velocity and you have command. 
And at the you end, have of both. Day, you you have to have both, and it needs right, to but be. But it's a balance. How much of one? How one? How much of the other? You know. Yes, it needs to be. It needs to be a relationship. Because I, I can, I guarantee you that I probably have some of the best command in the world because I've thrown to my target so much. But yeah. I don't throw ninety-five. <laughs> my my seventy-four mile hour fastball is going to get yeah. cracked. <laughs> I know, but uh, in the beginning, when I beginning when I made the the other target, one of the thing one of the things I was focusing on was I noticed that some of the greatest pitchers, as they got older. Their velocity dropped way down. Like even Maddox was like 92, 93 in the beginning. End of his career is 83. Yeah. yeah. Right. But and other pitchers, Wainwright, Wainwright, uh, you name them. Um, but what I saw was as they got older and they got further in their career, their velo went down and they still had great, great success. Like look at Wainwright last year. And yeah. it's like, well, why do they have great success? Well, I, I found a couple reasons. One is they had great command of all their pitches. Yep. The other thing I found was, as in my second book, where I defined the different pitches uh, mathematically. What I found was each of, the, each of their pitches were different enough from each other so that even if they missed their location, they tended to have good results. Yes. So I think there's a... a, a a combination of things needed for a pitcher, which is, of course, you want stuff. You want to be able to throw velo, spin it. Yeah, that's important. You have to command it. Uh, at the very, you you can't just control it. You have to command all your pitches. What and then, and then you have to have a repertoire that is different enough from each other so that even that even if you missed your your spot or if you didn't have the right sequence that you tend to have a good result because the pitches are different enough from each other. Yeah, so here is how, what I, and sometimes I'm antagonistically asked this question to, especially pitching coaches, and I usually say, what is the number one goal of a pitcher? Inevitably, the majority of people say to throw strikes. Huh. And I go, a ball right down the middle is a strike. Huh. Huh. Get out. <laughs> And, and that's the other thing I always talk about. Uh, uh, a lot of people, I won't say their names. Well, let's say, look at my son and he'll throw. Yep. And, and he'll four pitches, strike a guy out. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. That's good. And my son knows when he throws one pitch and gets a weak dribbler to shortstop, shortstop and gets an out. I love that. I'm cheering. It's like, like to me, one pitch, one out. I'm like, it, I mean, weak contact out. So yes. a lot of people nowadays prefer preferring to take four or five pitches uh, to get an out. To me, if I can get a weak contact, one pitch out, that to me is utter dominance. Well, and that's why I, that's exactly how I position it to my students. And I go, hey, guys, so we can agree that we're here to get out. Well, how do you get an out? Well, not <laughs> a, yeah, yeah, but not only that. Uh, it's like, how do you stay deep in the game and help your team win? It, like, yep. my son is a starting pitcher. Uh, last year, he had, last year, he had the most quality starts of any minor leaguer in I don't know how many years. And he's helping a team win by staying in the game longer. Yep. You know, you know, you know, because, you know, they get limited guys in the bullpen. They can't use them for five innings every day. You know, you, you need to stay deep in the game. Yeah. So, 
So when I position it to the kids, I go, hey, so how do we get out? There's really two ways, kind of back to what you were talking about a minute ago, is that you command the ball and you mess with the hitters. hitters. Timing. It's, it's, it's that awesome. simple. Yeah, I always talk about changing uh, speeds, which is timing, uh, yep. uh, angles, and locations. And when I talk about angles, I'm talking about horizontal and vertical angles. Whether yep. you have a, a sweeper or, and then a, then it's a and it's a, a a sinker. You have different angles the pitches are coming in at, and those are all different things the batter now has to think about, you know. And when when I turn on the TV and I see a pitcher that throws a ball up there at seventy two miles per hour, I'm going. This guy's going to be successful, especially if he throws it pretty much where he wants to, because I'm going. That he's keeping them on their toes. And 90% of the time, the big league guys, number one, are probably going to take that pitch. If you have a 95-mile-per-hour fastball and you throw a 72-mile-per-hour changeup up there or sinker, then he's going to take it. So just throw it in there for a strike because he's going well, to take it. Well, on, on, a, on a similar kind of note, I, I've also said many times that the guys are sitting in the cage practicing hitting hitting a fastball at 95 down the middle all day yeah they got no problem hitting 95 down the middle what they have problems with is something that's different and like in my like in my first book i talked about what makes pitches good uh compared to others and and one of the things i was saying was that uh your pitches have to be different different from the norm because batters are practicing to hit the average pitch whatever it may be so your pitch needs to be different from average yep, yep. You know, but, but th that's more of a, a something on stuff as opposed to command or control or sequencing you know yeah i, yeah. I was just kind of talking about the basics of if if you you take pitching and go okay what is it that we're trying to accomplish we're trying to get out you're trying to get out how do you get out? And the fewest pitches wins. I mean, because I always say to them, what would you rather do? Strike out three guys or throw three pitches and get three outs? Three pitches, three outs to me would be utter dominance, you know? That's what you want. You know, you got to rely on your infielders. And uh, if you generate weak contact, then they're going to have an easy time of it, you know? Yes. And it, it's about grinding and grinding and grinding and getting them to understand that, if you command the ball, now you're going to throw less pitches. I mean, if you want to start getting into, I mean, you see the whole biomechanics aspect, you see Otani is now hurt. And everybody's like, oh, is it, you know, he's doing this, he's doing that. Here's my take on biomechanics. So I always say to everybody, what's the number one goal of a pitcher? We want to command the ball. But there's an asterisk in front of that. And that is to keep your arm healthy. Your absolute number one thing as a pitcher is you've got to keep your arm healthy. And at the end of the day, for me, I sit here and go, we have, are in this state of data where we have all this technology. Kinetrax can tell you what your little pinky bone is doing during your delivery. But yet we have the highest rate of injuries going on. And my take personally is, my opinion is, if you don't hurt your arm throwing a baseball, you're just a freak of nature, to be honest, especially if you look at it over a course of a 15-year career. Yeah, I don't know the answer. I've been talking with uh, 
you know, guys like Casey Mulholland and another friend of mine, Marty Egan, uh, those guys know know that stuff in and out. And even they don't have a definitive answer. They have some ideas. But I don't think anyone really knows why. Uh, I would guess it's not my area, my area of expertise, but I would guess it's just, you know, like you said, you'd have to be a freak of nature not to be injured. <laughs> and if you uh, can, yeah, and if you condition yourself, yourself properly, you will kind of uh, maybe not be successful, you know, susceptible to that, you know, kind of injury. Well, and also if you look at it from a standpoint of, if you're trying to throw 100 miles per hour, as opposed to throwing 92, 93 and hit your spot, I can see where you're putting more work and pressure on your elbow and your shoulder. I mean, it, it, to me, that, that part of it's not rocket science. And I would rather have a longevity of a career because I go, I look at some of these kids and go, oh, great, you threw 99 miles per hour and you had a one-year career in the big leagues. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate, you know. And, and, um, and to me, they're chasing the wrong, they're chasing the wrong goal. I mean, you see it all the time on YouTube or whatever, on TikTok, these kids that are throwing the ball as hard as they possibly can, and they're all jumping around, elated, and going crazy. And yeah, 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 that's awesome. And I'm going, oh, is that awesome? You threw one pitch as hard as you possibly could. You weren't even close to throwing it in the strike zone. And you guys are jumping for joy, where you and I, we both go, I want to see kids jumping for joy whenever they've hit their spot 10 times in a row. Yeah. You ever see that guy who's got a, a I think it's a TikTok or whatever. It, they, you'll take a video of one of those guys throwing the ball, like, ball, like as hard as they can, and they'll look at it and go, ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It. It's really but funny. Great. But, uh, but yeah. But, uh, yeah, if you throw that hard, that's, that's good. I mean, you, you have to train to throw hard, too. Uh, but I like to have movement. So I would not, you know, if I had a choice between throwing me throwing really hard or with some movement, I'm going to take movement. Because if you throw, uh, like I said, if remember those uh, Velomaniac jokes I had put up? Yeah, yeah, those are great. One of them I wrote was, if your fastball is straight as a snagged fishing line, you might be a velomaniac, <laughs> you know, because if it's if it's really hard, but hard, but really straight, they're going to hit it, you know. 100 so, If you and we have all the old school videos of Maddox and you see me, he would start that ball to a right handed batter. He would start that thing about five inches off the outside part of the plate. And that thing would come right back over. Yeah. And yeah. On, on the on the data that we have now, it may be missing the 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 box, but I guarantee you it's coming back across and catching the glove where the catcher is framing it. Yeah, he's 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 going for that black edge there. So uh, uh, I have a, a, a something on if we took at uh, velocity, changing speeds, command, movement, sequencing, and reading batters, reading batters, where would you rank them? Like, what well, would you say, if you were working with a pitcher, what would be your number one, number two? My number one is always command. I mean, just no matter what, because I always sit there, you turn on the TV, and I, I always say this, three balls, two strikes, bases loaded, bottom of the ninth, where you throw this pitch is the absolute most important 
thing that is going to happen. That's the next that. So I would probably go, go command, command movement, movement, velocity. I, I mean, those, that, that's a tough one right there. That's that, that's tough because you have to have velocity. But but if you look at it. If you're talking about big leagues, everybody has velocity. So velocity is almost a given now. Well, you have to have a minimum minimum velocity. Yeah. You know, but it's like a workable, like like Emo talks about. He says, "What's your useful velocity?" I mean, the yeah, guy throws 98, that. but what can you what can you what's what can you really use? I think what he means by that is, what can you control? What can you command? You know. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, also, I think Scott, Scott Emerson is right on it. You know, I, I love, he's, he's I love his approach. I love his ideas. And that just that terminology right there, he came up with it. The useful velocity is, is a huge, huge proponent. And that's really what we're talking about. Really what we're talking about. Yeah. And the other big one, I think, is reading batters. Because when you're pitching pitch to pitch, uh, you're, read, you're reading whether the batter flinches or takes and all these things. Those things tell you about how you should sequence. So you kind of have to yeah. know how to read a batter. Then you also have to also have to know how to sequence based upon how you've read the batter. Like the batter he took without even flinching. All right, now what do I throw? You know, based upon what was thrown before. Yes, and and I always go to to that part of it is great, but if you don't ultimately throw that ball where you want to yeah, on that's that next right. pitch. Then... You're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. Because yeah, yeah you, you have to build a command. Like you throw the next one down the middle and he doesn't flinch. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I think it's uh, too often people just focus on velo and velo and they don't focus on all those areas that we talked about that are what I call a complete pitcher. Meaning you have to do all of those things and to varying degrees, you need to have certain level, certain levels of them. You know, yes, and, if, and it goes back to you have for me, you've got to focus on the correct end of the of pitching. The correct end of pitching is where does that ball go? And if you look at uh, any pitching book, if you just go and pick pick up a pitching book, ninety percent of all pitching books is a photograph of somebody that they're in this motion right here. And they're not the, the camera needs to be behind him. That yes, I understand the biomechanics of it and everything like that, but the camera needs to be at second base looking behind him to ultimately see where that ball is going. Well, I think with command, uh, not just control, but command becomes like a subset of all of that, where you it's kind of like refining your I think to, I think to have good command, you have to have a repeatable delivery. Because otherwise you're going to have this random control and command, so you have to have a stable platform to, to repeat, you know, you know your command. So I, you know, I think it ties into it, but I think that's a back chain of it. I think what we're talking about is more like at the, as you get the yeah. you get the upper levels, you've already gone past that. Now how do I refine yeah. my delivery and, and make it so I can repeat my command over and over with yep. all my pitches? And I think that it works itself up the chain because if you start kids young enough to understand their command, because I always say to my son, because he's 12, I go, hey, bud, we need to learn the skill of baseball before we start getting into all the other 
drills and all these other things that people want to do. I'm not a big drill guy. I am a, hey, we go to the field and we throw to the target from the field that he's going to pitch on from the distance he's going to pitch and we throw all the pitches he's going to throw in the game. Well, that's another big thing to me. It's got to be a target that is realistic to what they're going to do in the game from yep. a mound, you know, because yep. like you said, we're practicing a skill. Yeah, I mean, and this this sounds crazy, but some crazy people have changed the world. If I were the pitching coach for the Yankees, I would literally have my robotic catcher and my stand-in batter or have a stand-in batter, a live one, whatever, but having them throw from the mound at Yankee Stadium to the catcher's mitt. You know, we have it's funny because I have a robotic catcher that doesn't catch. It's what? your job as the pitcher to make him catch it. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So you see what I mean? It's, I can position that catcher's glove low and away, but the only way he's going to catch it is, is, if you, is if you hit it. Yes. Yeah. So, well, it's, so it, it, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, maybe both of us are crazy enough to think we can change the world. But uh, yeah. funny enough, though, everybody I talk to, they agree you need to have command, but they don't focus on it enough. And I think you and I, you and I both make tools that will help them do that. And I hope uh, you have a lot more success for what you're doing. And yep. we'll see what happens with my my target. And, and thanks for coming on, coming on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, good luck to you because I think that this is something that is definitely needed. And I love the fact that you're spearheading it. And, you know, we can work together and we can get other people involved, get as many people, you know, that can go, hey, we just have to keep fighting.